Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2021. Episode 343, Printing and Shipping Where You Are. Presented by Jonathan Lavallee, Alistair Guzman, and Mo Poplar. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, day two of Metatopia uh, for you early risers uh, out out on the uh, <laughs> your time zones. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. This panel is, do you want to build a snowman? Printing and publishing where you are. Uh, well, we wanted to get a little bit more of a wider experience. Uh, unfortunately, Elizabeth couldn't make it. Um, so unfortunately, we're only going to be talking about uh, Canada, the US and Mexico. Um, just because uh, that is, that's who we have represented here. Uh, because we all know publishing and printing are different where you are. Uh, so my name is Jonathan Lavalley. I'm going to be moderating. I've been making games for over 20 years now, which always is frightening to say when I say it. Uh, and I'm going to let our wonderful panelists introduce themselves. So Alistair, do you want to go first and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Alistair. I'm a game designer for Mexico. And yeah, I have been like working on this for around three years now. And I am part of a club called Axel Stories. All right, Mo, uh, go ahead. Good morning, I'm Mo, coming in from the West Coast. Uh, fortunately, this is the time I normally work. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm up. Uh, I'm a designer who uh, is doing lots of silly stuff like cards and books and um, uh, trying to get into board games. So I've dabbled in this space a little more than dabbled. Awesome. All right, so let's let's just jump right in then. And I'm going to ask a question: Is what does um, when you have a game? So we all know you're you here. You have a game. You've even got it, you know, uh, written. We're not even going to talk about like that kind of part of it. We're going to go straight into the, the printing part of it. So, um, how do you find artists for your your stuff? Right, because um, for example, I know in Canada here, I have access to a, like the internet is a wonderful tool. We have access to there. Um, I've done things with stock photography sites and, and the like. Um, you know, I'm wondering if this is a similar experience across the board. Uh, Alistair, how about you? What do you What do you do when you need to look for artists? Yeah, normally we just use the internet, or we have the advantage that many of the big art schools here have like this open first where the students can show their, can showcase their work. So we actually try to work with a lot of new artists. Mainly because two of our in-house artists are from those schools, so they know the teachers know <laughs> everyone. So, well, yeah, we mainly work through the internet, and we try to focus mostly on Latin American artists, but that's just like a personal thing. Mm -hmm. No, hire local, man. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, it's like cheaper, and two because the language barrier can get complicated with art, especially with art briefs and art direction. Yeah. So, Mo, how about you? Um, I started off at Metatopia. So I met some artists who actually show up to Metatopia. And um, 
they did some amazing work for me. Uh, I also went on uh, Fiverr. I went on uh, DeviantArt, and I ran into a lot of people who are amazing artists who don't necessarily have the bandwidth to do art, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For whatever reason, I had a hard time finding folks who would deliver. Um, you know, because when you're when you're doing a game, you don't need a picture. You need twenty or thirty pictures. Um, if you're doing a two hundred page book, you need closer to fifty pictures, maybe. So, um, I ended up finding a couple of people who were very good within my price range and would deliver. And you know, I stumbled into that space, but that was a that was a, a journey in and of itself right exactly so so it's good to know that when we talk about looking for art we're all kind of looking where we can to find artists and the internet's a wonderful tool for there but let's talk about publishing now so uh moving on straight to book publishing so i know um for me in canada it's actually better for me generally to print in the united states if i'm printing low print runs mainly because uh shipping across the border from canada to the u.s is prohibitively expensive uh and so it adds even if i l lose money in the exchange rate because right now the canadian dollar is back when it was when i started game design when it was uh 60 cents on the u.s dollar which is always fun traveling to the states and getting going into conventions people say it's only five dollars and i'd be like but for you it's only five dollars right. right uh but even then it still seems to be a little bit better because the shipping just absolutely destroys me um and again most of my warehousing is in the states if i have any warehousing through any companies that i'm working with it's all in the states so i'm always shipping and if we're shipping back and forth all the time that that just kills my kills my uh my budget yeah. yeah uh and so alistair how about you when you're talking about printing your books where are you printing your books how are you printing your books we normally for books we have discovered like three different options yeah the first one is in china because even with well, before the shipping crisis, it was like honestly like the best option cost-wise because many of them offer delivery at point. Mm -hmm. So basically, we can just print in China and they just deliver it right in the United States in the warehouse. The second option and one that is we have authority to check it recently, it's in Liechtenstein in Europe. Same thing, they have like the delivery at point thing, so that you just pay. I uh, the budget for was for a 200 page full color book at Dungeons and Dragons sized, it was around 10 USD per book with delivery at point. The issue with these two is that the print run minimum is around 100 and 500, 1500. So you have to actually justify printing that amount of books, anything lower than that, and we also need to print in the United States. As you mentioned, the shipping thing between the, we want to print locally and then send to the United States is just extremely expensive. And yeah, it's just unfeasible with the amount of books. It's just easier if you have like a low print around 500, 700, just print in the US and, and ship it there. Because mm -hmm. most of the market is also in the US, so it doesn't make that much, that much sense to print elsewhere. Tomo, what about you? Uh, we all talked about printing in the States. <laughs> so as as someone in the States, what does that look like for you when you're printing books or when you're creating that kind of thing? Um, <clears throat> so from, I'm, I'm curious to this part, you know, 
<laughs> I um my game was finished in 2020. So uh I had already heard all the horror stories about uh printing in China being very slow. Um there was also the mark the shipping margin. And so I ended up going through drive through RPG and just doing a, a small print on the man batch, you know. So I printed uh five hundred books and you know books look good, you know. Um that might be a feature of this being my first game. <laughs> and I could imagine, you know, uh I, I definitely would have loved a hardcover book that, you know, had a lot of more bells and whistles, but um We'll get to the distribution part later. Um, you know, I, I've been able to sell way more PDFs during COVID and physical copies, and you know, this is what it is. So, um, interested in hearing more about Liechtenstein? Uh, maybe you could put a <laughs> maybe you could put a link in, Alistair. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I'm looking for the link. So you just give me a second. Second, yeah. And, and and to say too, that was going to be another thing I was going to say is that um, you know there are sites now for distribution. We're getting that a little bit. Drive through RPG, doing the print on demand. That like that's my plan for the next book, mainly because the other issue that comes into play is warehousing, right? right? Once you print a thousand or even five hundred books, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it takes up physical space, <laughs> right? Right. And I still have a closet full of things that I'm like, I can't wait to get rid of having already gotten rid of a bunch of things. Right. So, uh, you know, there comes a point in time where you're like, how do I store all these things? How do I, right. you know, put that in? And, you know, uh, despite the fact that, um, you know, Canada has a large amount of space, uh, you know, we don't have too many dedicated warehouses four games there's like two or three and they're not inexpensive right. so at that point in time you're looking at your own self-storage but then you're then you're looking at your own inventory control how do i know how many i have left how many have i shipped out which i am terrible at um so i could not tell you what my current inventory stock is on anything <laughs> um and and again let's get back to dish when we get to distribution models you know there are no conventions so there's a certain point where you could uh plan on selling no, a dozen or so books if you travel to cons in the United States at least and you would know that um, you'd be moving inventory so when cons start it's worth getting a box a couple boxes of books um, until then yeah no I see that Alistair how about you when we talk about like uh, print on demand have you thought of doing any kind of print on demand stuff or is it all up oh, you just I just sent the contact for the one in Europe. It's basically the company that Modifius use on Cubicle 7. Okay. That's actually how we found them. <laughs> hey, see, that's another thing, too. Uh, I guess the thing, too, is if you're looking for different types of options, um, a good thing is talk to other people, right? right? The industry isn't particularly large, and and most people, there's not like, no, only my printer. You can never use them, right? Uh, if you know, people have done well by us. I know a lot of people here like to promote those same kind of printers and publishers, right? So it's more, it's more about keeping that printer open till I get my next job. To get <laughs> Can you give yeah, us exactly. business? <laughs> we don't want them to to lose business in the meantime. Like it has right, happened right, before. Right. Yeah, right. As for the print on demand question, we actually did print on demand for the maze. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And at the time, it seems like a good option. The issue with print on demand is that now that they are now that conventions are open again, print on demand is just very expensive depending on the size of the book, and it mm-hmm. makes having the product at conventions just not feasible. Like we suffered like last yeah like one month ago in GameCon with the IGDM boot with the maze. It was just like the book is very nice. We have it print on demand. But it's just very expensive for us to have it in the physical inventory and to ship it to stores that want it and for conventions. So I think print on demand works if you have like a small product, like signs or like anything under 100 pages. I think like a print on demand is probably a very good option. But if you go over that size, it's better just like to save more and do a physical print run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, like, I'm looking at that more to save inventory space, right? Like, I don't have, I'm looking at it to be like, okay, I can do this. But like you said, 100%, the, the margin is changes drastically from when you when you do that versus an offset print run. Uh, all right, so but let, let's move on to that. Let's talk about, let's talk about, um, you know, not just um, the publishing of, of the book and the printing of the book and we get it together. Let's talk about accessories, right? I don't know if you've looked into getting, say, um, specialty dice done, or there, there we go. We've got specialty dice there, specialty dice, or cards, or you know, other elements to your game. Um, you know, where are you going for that? What does that look like for you? Because right now, for me, the only option I have is drive-through cards. Because a lot of the card shops, again, if you go, you need if you're going to say China, you're looking at a large print run, and I'm not in the space of having a lot of inventory for that a lot of print run for that a lot of space um but you know same thing with dice dice has its own weird kind of thing so mo actually starting with you because we you have your custom dice there what does that process look like for you how have you gone through that what does that look like um i went to one of my local conventions and met uh the people from um dice envy and they are a local dice manufacturer and Apparently, what that means is they manufacture dice in China and they sell them locally. <laughs> so um, they uh, hand helped me through the process. I was able to get my um, get a print run started. That is, uh, I got these are my proofs, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was looking for kind of uh, Chinese Japanese dice that. Uh, foreigners could read, so like you know, they have actually have dots on them, so you could count the dots or you could read the symbol, and kind of for mm-hmm. game immersion and all that stuff. And game immersion um, took a turn when COVID hit, so um, I have not put in my final order for uh, two thousand dice yet, <laughs> because again, it's the whole distribution part. But they were very helpful in uh, handholding me through the process. Um, and, you know, when, when you're publishing in China, I think the real question is always kind of what is the interface, you know, um, how, how much English are you getting? Are you getting responsive time, time? Are you, um, how confident are you that you're actually going to get the product? (laughs) So, um, anybody can go on, uh, Alibaba.com and see thousands of people offering to do these services and you know for my first time out i found dice envy was very um supportive in uh getting that done so Mm -hmm. 
yeah, you know, I I I, I strongly recommend them. Right. So when when we talk about that too, like when we're looking at custom dice, like what do you need to provide too, like beyond just kind of thing? The details. Excellent. Um, so I sent them a PDF uh, that had embedded all of the sides of the dice, and uh, they kind of cleaned it up. They sent it back to me. They said, "Is this what you're looking for?" Because I I'm not I'm I, I'm a game designer. I am not a graphic designer by a sight. Um, I can barely draw my name. Uh, so they cleaned it up and they kind of shepherded me through the process. I think it was less than $200 to get uh, maybe two dozen dice made. Mm -hmm. And they said this, these would be the master dice. And, <laughs> you know, after I mm -hmm. got to Your roll mold. those yeah. dice and look at those dice, um, then I could put in an order for a larger amount. So um, that was, you know, I had just done, done a successful Kickstarter and like I had some change jangling around. I thought, you know, this was, I, I shouldn't have done this. It was before I finished buying all my art and maps. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I did the thing and they, uh, they, yeah, the dice came back. They're beautiful. Um, they were able to get me dice, uh, both black dice with white dots and white dice with black dots. Or I think it was like cream dice with black dots, mm -hmm. you know, just so I could see. And, you know, like it was it was a very good experience. Um, I can't wait till um, like in California, cons haven't opened up yet. So. I'm looking forward to cons opening back up because I know people are going to see these dice and the dice will sell themselves. Now. Hey, Alistair, so how about you? Have you done any type of like uh, additional... Not like the budget team for it because at some point we went to like... Well, we still want to change some of our more smaller books into more like books board game style. Mm -hmm. Similar to how Paranoia was sold. And yeah, the answer for it was like, yeah, the Chinese can do anything. Mainly we did this the uh, we did the budget thing with Wingo and with Panda. Mm -hmm. well, out of these two, Panda is way easier to get a uh, to get an accurate budget, and their web page is extremely friendly. Issue with Panda, it's one is a little more on the expensive side, and two their minimum order is two thousand. Well, yeah, you can actually have in their website you can provide I want this kind of dice, this kind of books, and you have you can provide like everything you need. And they will give it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, when we're budgeting for a small Jago's box with four small books plus dice plus cards, I think it was around 14 USD per copy. Yeah, 12 to 14 USD per copy. Yeah, and you're doing hardback, right? No, for that was it was like uh, similar to Paranoia, so it was just like Soul Stitch and and soft cover. Mm -hmm. But it was like it was like inside the box, and you have like a more board game experience with the RPG. <laughs> right, you're talking about a box. As soon as you say box, it throws like three to four dollars onto the price of everything. Yeah, you you have the advantage of it not being hardcover, so that makes it a little way cheaper for each individual book. Yeah. But now we also have like dice, small cards, and we want to have like um erasable, similar to zombie words. Was like the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Like it, it, it's interesting because when you fall into that board game thing, 
Um, I know talking to board game publishers right now, I know this is mostly RPG, but board game publishers too um, have been, I know a lot of them have been looking at printing elsewhere, and even with all the uncertainty, it's still not It's still not even feasible to print elsewhere, just because as soon as you start adding components to things, the price just shoots up astronomically, and they can't, they, it just doesn't match. And so when you look at anything that's like a board game that has board game components like a box and cards and all these other things, yeah, at 14, yeah, you're looking at, at probably charging about 50 USD for that. And and that's for a box board game experience with those kind of things. That's not out of the realm of reality, right? Like, that's kind of <laughs> what it is. So, yeah, no, that's that's super interesting because I know um, I've done a couple of card games through drive-through cards for me. And, and again, just again, just the inventory. I just don't want to have inventory, <laughs> and 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 that's what's what's causing that for me. Um, but it's interesting because we go from peripherals because the other thing too we didn't talk about is uh, apps, right? Um, and I know that well, companies I, have been. I, I got one more thing to say about cards. So oh, I've been going through drive-through cards too, um, and so they they do what they do. They just discontinued um, bridge size cards. Mm-hmm. And for no good reason, I designed all my games in bridge size. <laughs> so, like, um, I'm able to sell card games, you know, through my, my local network. And, like, literally, I'm facing the, the the need to have to go back and redesign the cards. And I think in normal times, I would have um, just found a different, you know, printer. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, they they're... They're able to do the work, but I think they're having a, a problems getting the the the, pr- the paper size. So, um, I did just do a print run out of China for a game that uh, called Switchosaurus, which you know a buddy of mine he's like, "Hey, you do games, help me." So, um, you know, he has uh, tarot size cards and a metal box, and um, you know, it's beautiful and everything. Um, so we're, this is currently in process. Uh, he ordered his game in late July. Uh, it was printed in August, and it's been on a boat since um, early September. And it's supposed to arrive um, in November 16th. So kind of the, the conversation is, that's really fast. And that presumes that like all of this backup stuff hasn't happened. And so um, we're more than expecting November 16th to get, it's going to be another three to six weeks. You know, he was really hoping to have product um, by Christmas and um, kind of one of the things that we talked about and now he's regretting we didn't do was um, fast ship some some units on a plane, so you have an opportunity to kind of split your shipment between the boat and like getting it in a couple weeks because they'll just put it on a plane. Mm-hmm. And um, he got I think four sample si- four, four sample units, and now he's wishing he had twenty because he could sell twenty for Christmas. You know, right? No problem. Right. Um, so. From what I'm understanding, uh, the getting getting things printed in China right now isn't the problem, and like that's in this moment. Like apparently, mm-hmm. this is a constantly moving target. Um, it really does boil down to 
um, maybe getting it off the boat. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, with that is paper, right? I'm sure there's another panel around there, too, about the cost of paper going up and, and all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. And his, his costs were absolutely about three times what they were when we priced this out two years ago. Um, it, he's paying three times what he would have prayed on uh, Ninja Print. Um, and, you know, they, they're, they're pretty inflated for kind of getting printed in China. So, um, but, you know, he bit the bullet, you know, he took some cards out, he, he wanted the metal box. And uh, so, you know, we're waiting to see, and we're also waiting to see if, you know, the rest of the product is the same as the samples, same quality. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I'm not putting the company's name out there. Cause you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> waiting to, to see still, how yeah. it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Alistair, also, so you had it. I didn't know if you had your hand up to say something or if you were. Yeah, just one regarding the uh, issues with the print on demand is, as you mentioned, if they somehow discontinue the service, then you're out of luck and you have like to ask for everything again. That actually happened to a lot of creators that had like the signs in drive to RPG when they discontinued the cell stitch because yeah. now they have to print on the soft cover. And yeah, that's one of the main issues that I have with print on demand. Is your other version of any changes in that they want to have in their supply chain? In the case Lightning Forge, we are very mm -hmm. dependent on drive through. And the second, just to confirm, like, yeah, the issue right now is not printing in China, uh, even with the paper source shortage, is the shipping. Like, we have a board game that the original cost to ship was 700 USD. It ended up being 2,200. Fortunately, uh, if you are seeing this, right the wheel. Now, yeah, you're seeing this right now. By the time you manage to print your book, it should probably be already over. Like the most guesstimates about when it should end, it, should, it was like around Chinese New Year. So February, March. But yeah, I, I would recommend not trying to print anything in this time period, or at least not to ship it. And it also touches on the second, as well mentioned, we're trying to avoid inventories. Uh, one thing I, I were actually having to do is to have to talk with Amirati to see of any of the fulfillment centers. And as if they have like an inventory option, most of them are not that expensive. Like with Gamerati, the having them like reserve, I think was a small warehouse space, was around 25 USD per month. So it really depends on how many games you have and how big is your current inventory. Because especially if you do not live in the U.S., you will have to rely on other people for this kind of stuff. So I will just go to just go into with people or with companies that already have like a track record. Especially if you're not the, you're not able like to be there to supervise stuff. Right. That's that's a really big thing I think to think about too. Is that yeah, you have to. If you're, you know, you don't have the space yourself, you really, you have to build a supply chain. You have to build your own trusted vendors. You have to build your own relationships with all those people. Yeah, I think it's really, thank you, Alistair. I think it's a really good point too, right? The further you are away, the more you have to rely on these other people. And not only do you uh, have to rely on them, it's also a marginal cost, you know, that you got to, you know, include to what you're not earning after you're printing, et cetera, et cetera. Nope, 100%. Uh, Mo, so you had a point in relation. I wanted to Alistair to get in just because he had other thing yeah. you wanted to say and just finish that off. And then then I think we can go into what that kind of distribution model looks like. Well, that, that's exactly what I was getting into. So um, I have been uh, distributing my RPG through uh, Indie Press Revolution. 
Mm -hmm. um, and they do a great job of uh, taking my game out and um, getting it in front of um, many, uh, sorry, uh, friendly local game stores. Mm -hmm. And uh, they took some games to uh, Gen Con, which I didn't go to. And, you know, I sold some books and that was fantastic. Um, my buddy is actually going through Amazon fulfillment. So again, this is uh, this is an interesting experiment for me to watch and figure out if I'm going to get, you know, on on board with. Uh, his game is very much a kids game. Uh, it's an educational product, so I don't think it is standard fare for what we do in the RPG space. Mm -hmm. um, and he's looking at a totally different market than we typically look at for the RPG space. But he's going to have 100 games at his house. <laughs> and he is absolutely looking at sending those to uh, podcasters, bloggers, mommy groups, and homeschool hubs to kind of market. And the other 900 are going to Amazon and, you know, he will work on doing his hustle that way. Uh, he has some skills I don't have in kind of marketing. And so, um, yeah, I'm really curious to see how that works out. Because I have a couple kids games that kind of role players aren't going to buy unless they have a five-year-old. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, you know, how exactly does this work? Well, I mean, let's yeah, let's talk about the distribution model because I know uh, I believe all of us have or have experience with IPR, uh, which I love. I do think IPR does a really good job of trying to, um, you know, meet the needs of the people who are are work they're working with and you know help work their own businesses stuff out. Right? If things aren't selling, they do send them back to you. Right? Like they because they have so much warehouse space themselves, or there's you know there's like. Um, there's stuff there, but like also we talked about the problem with, um, you know, if you have one person, you're kind of beholden to them, right? So how do you diversify that? What else are you doing, uh, distribution-wise, to try to help yourself, Alistair? Okay, it's very dependent on the IGDN marketing team and other stuff for all the distribution. We want to branch out a little with IPR. The issue with IPR is that we, as we mentioned, like the currently our only physical game is the maze. And that's on print on demand. So it's not really very feasible for us to have it through normal distribution. For the next ones, we are actually going to save up and do it like normal physical print runs. And we are going to work with IPR for most of the stuff. As you mentioned, they have already contact with stores. They can get your product to GenCon, to other conventions. Mm -hmm. And like the business model is like very good for the creators in this case. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing too with uh, I'm you know I'll I'll just pop up the IGDN here a little bit too. I think it's useful because they do have links to ACD, um, and again, wildly different use for for everyone. Uh, again, it's one of those things that if you are not a super popular one, you're not getting in a lot of things sold through there. But it is a different avenue, and it will get it into stores. Um, because I know Mo, how about you? Um. So I have content, I have product at IPR. Um, I actually have been driving up and down California 
<laughs> going to my friendly local game stores. Um, last summer, I was able to interface with a lot of game stores, and um, I was able to run a couple of games on Facebook because they were managing their communities on Facebook. And so um, I was able to run games on Facebook and sell games through the store, you know, so the store got their cut and, you know, essentially I got their marketing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, showing up and shaking hands or uh, elbow bumping these days, (laughs) leaving a flyer seemed to, I, I moved a good, you know, 50 copies that way. And, you know, that's, that's no small feat. This is gas. This is, uh, this is time. You know, you know, I tell my family, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going driving today. You know, um, I, I also have the benefit of having a, uh, uh, a kid who, um, you know, for me, I don't know if it's a part of the equation, but like he sees me go in, he sees me talking to store owners and, you know, he sees them giving me cash for my books, you know? And it's like, like there's a level of like, this is a hustle. It's legal, but it's a hustle. And if you get out there and you, you, you pound the pavement and sometimes you got to visit folks two or three times, but, uh, you know, they, they pick it up and you tweet about them and you keep it moving, you know? Yeah, there's enough. There's, there's like again, one of those things is 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 act local too, right? Like right, if right. you have the space and the capacity to do that, if you have stores around you, by all means, um, you know, it never hurts to kind of hit them up to also be that kind of distribution point. Because I know that even in board games too, the larger distrib- dis- distribution companies that model is just kind of in shambles currently. Um, <clears throat> a lot of them aren't even looking at RPGs. And again, they won't look at you individually because you are not right. big enough for them to care about, which is right. why right. something like the IGDN is useful to get in with ACD because they can go give us blah, 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 blah. And that's all one order for them. It's not 20 different smaller orders for them. Mm-hmm. But I also know that um, because there's just so many games coming out, a lot of them aren't even stocking things with uh, known game companies. Like they're looking at pre-orders only. So if you haven't been a big pre, if you know, and like pre-order RPGs from stores, like what is that? <laughs> are you are right, you right? Right? Um, you know, that's not a thing that large distribution companies are 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 even looking at. So, you know, it's it's changed greatly from when I was when I first started. Uh, but even then, uh, when I first started, I was told flat out that if I left. Um, was at the time a consolidator, they would drop me like a hot rock because they just didn't have time for me. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting to see what's going on and how that kind of distribution works. Now, I know IPR is, like I said, a big player in the field. We have different ways to get at it, but it's, it's not as straightforward, uh, which leads me kind of to the next topic, which is how do you market? Right? What does marketing look like where you are? Um, Alistair, uh, I'm, I'm terrible at marketing, so I'm not going to have any, anything to get here on this one, but Alistair, I'm going to go to you and yeah, I, I also kind of terrible at self-marketing. So yeah, that's why my social media presence is so cool. Uh, the one thing that we notice is marketing mostly works when in the Kickstarter phase, uh, we eventually managed to get uh, Facebook ads running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had like a very nice return on investment on Facebook ads for our last Kickstarter for masks. It was a five-year 
RP book, so that also helps. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, mostly it's just like learning how to do Facebook ads. Google ads, we tried them and we hadn't had like the same success with them. For the ones that we know that have had success with Google ads, it's mostly with videos and on YouTube. So mm-hmm. like small 30 second, 5 second YouTube ad mm-hmm. videos. Those work for board games and RPGs. But like normal um, Google ads, we haven't seen like any success with those. It's mostly just Facebook ads and talk to reviewers. Recently, we have found like a very good uh, return advertisement with TikTok. Like some TikTok mm. creators are very open to getting the, like the books or the PDFs and talking about them. And uh, we have seen some really nice conversion where we did for the maze promotions for the Ennis. That we actually saw some very nice conversion on TikTok. No, that's really good. Mo, how about you? What does that look, look like for you? I know we already talked about boots on the ground because we talked a little bit about We can go into more conventions, but also like hitting Same. stores, hitting local scenes. I, so this is where kind of my hustle has really fallen apart. Um, I, I like talking to people. I will turn on the camera. I will talk to folks. I will happily show up and uh, meet people and, you know, press the flesh. All these things that for the last 18 months, you know, I haven't been, you know, kosher in Los Angeles. So um, my my marketing game has been weak. Um, I've had a hard time getting uh, uh, a proper AP done for my game. And you know, I, I see how that does the business. Um, I, I, I essentially pretty much got a design partner and uh, my design partner is able to kind of eat the, the street and hang out on Discord and talk to people in a way that, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I guess I'm old because like, you know, where I was, where I, when I grew up, you don't just drop into somebody's conversational thread, you know, and, you know, that's, that's what online is about right now. So, you know, just jumping in and saying, hey, say what you said again. And I hate that. Um, <laughs> or, or, so, we're, we're, we're old's internet. That's how that works, right? <laughs> right. You know, internet old. Um, internet old. So, um, but my, my design partner, Michael Lowe, has tons of traction um you know just on discord meeting people uh developing a fan base and you know i hate to say it but you know the best marketing i've had for shibuya nights has been moving on to the next game you know and next game i'm i i designed shibuya nights kind of in my little corner of the world and then released it and that's the wrong thing to do that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, I, I would have been way better off, you know, doing a, uh, a quick start guide, doing a freemium model, um, letting people know there was a thing, getting some feedback, getting some engagement. Um, I'm working on a game, uh, Hold Fast Station now, and that's what we're doing. You know, there is a, a light version of the game floating around the internet. Um, you can get it on the Discord off of my site. And... Like it's 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 a whole thing. Um, we've had thousands of people download the game now, and in fe- in March the game will be on sale with art and you know with like a whole game. And so kind of we're doing that freemium model thing, and 
this is the part you do before you publish. <laughs> so like we're built we're we're building an audience, we're we're getting it ready. And you know, to that point, um the the way we're doing that, we we cheated, you know, like this is all a a stretch goal for uh the um stone top Kickstarter. So like I was able to get on board of that, and so now their audience, audience for Stone Top, is also like, oh, look, another game, you know. And so, um, and all of these people are hearing my name. All of these people are like check, like doing their own mental calculation to figure out, like, oh, do I care about like anime style forged in the dark games? Yes or no? Let me go look at this other game. So I've sold uh, dozens of uh, uh, PDFs, you know, through that process. But um, it's more advertising a popular game designer than advertising the game, if that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense when you're in that kind of situation, doing it public. The this is who I am kind of marketing is I think is really good. But Alistair, something came up that with Mo, but also something you brought up earlier too about marketing. What about kickstarting as a marketing vehicle? Because we know it's a funding vehicle, but <clears throat> what I find more and more and more people are using it much more as a marketing vehicle than a than a like. I mean, it's almost like the financial side is a great side benefit. But it, it it's almost becoming for some companies that side benefit where it's like yes it's raised us money but it's also put out the marketing of the game. So have a lot of complaints with Kickstarter for allowing the tabletop space to become like a pre-order store. Well, mm -hmm. like let's be honest, like most of the companies that use Kickstarter use it most for the marketing purposes and because many people actively seek on Kickstarter new projects than for the funding purposes. Like a lot of the goals are actually under are underfunded or under the actual goals. Mm -hmm. That's why you have stretch goals. So yeah, I have found that using Kickstarter as a marketing is like very effective because people actually actively seek new Kickstarters, like the news report on them, like things like Endware and stuff like that. I always have like new new or more uh, interesting Kickstarters this month or this week. Mm -hmm. So yeah, using Kickstarter as a marketing tool like works very well. It can get you like new clients from all over the world. Has like its own issues like because running a Kickstarter is no easy thing. But yeah, mostly if you use it as a marketing tool, it's actually very easy and a very good idea. The main thing the issue with Kickstarter and using it as a marketing is that it's very bad to have to track the Facebook ads for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I, I again, I'm I've never used Facebook ads. So, what is like, you know, if if you're trying to do that, what does that look like for you in regards to like using them or, or like with a Kickstarter? Like, because how is it bad? I'm I'm I don't know anything about it. Mainly so. because Kickstarter, the Facebook pixel that Kickstarter offers, is useless. We have never managed to get it to work, and apparently that's like a very common thing. Not even backer and many of that people know how to make it work. So you want to track it, but most people or most of the companies do, they have like a middle page. That's like when you never, when you uh, click on a Kickstarter ad, it says project coming, blah, 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 redirecting. Mm -hmm. And then it redirects you to the Kickstarter page because that's how you can track how successful your ads are. In our case, we track it because we had, we created like a specific links with the Kickstarter and we put that in the Facebook ads and it, more, more or less, managed. He allowed us to track how how well we were doing. Okay. See, 
didn't know. That's good to know. Uh, and it's a good piece of information to have, right? If you're planning on, on the Kickstarter with, with Facebook ads. So my other question then is, uh, let's talk about APs. Let's talk about uh, reviewers. Let's talk about... Hey, yeah, can you scroll go? back one question real quick? So Alistair, I feel like there's a, a elephant in the room. <laughs> my dumb question is, are you uh, publishing books in English, Spanish, or both? That's a very tough question for us. Originally, we wanted to publish them in English and in Spanish. Issue is that nobody ordered it in Spanish, and it's extremely expensive for us to do the mm. translation. Well, to write in both languages and do the the layout because yeah. layout for the language is two very different beasts. Yep. So mainly, we're publishing all the big books are going to be published only in English. We have found some of a bigger community using TikTok in Latin America, more people interested. So we may try to release some of the smaller games, like the Sign Quest, Escasenta, and stuff like that, in also in Spanish. But it's not going to be like a lot of the games because, as I mentioned, we didn't have like that many people ordering in Spanish in, the, in our first try. Uh, and yeah, that's more of a cultural thing because most of the Spanish market is in Spain. Right. So there's like a lot of RPG publishers in Spanish, but they are Spain-based because there's like a huge market there and people actually buy it. One thing to remember is that at the end of the day, RPG products are luxury products. Right. And the median income in Latin America is not that high. Right. So it makes more sense for people in Spain that have like a first world income to buy RPG books like more common than what they do in Latin America. Well, like for smaller projects, like for smaller works, I have actually seen like a lot of support from Spanish buyers. So it's mm -hmm. it most it mostly depends on how big the product is and how expensive it's going to be to make it in both languages. Right. And well, so and I'm just throwing another question, Mo. Can I throw it in there too? Because <laughs> I'm also guessing this, like, because as as a French speaker in Canada, I know how I would write in French in Canada is very different from how they write in French in France. So I can't just do a French translation and have it not run into problems, even language problems, if I were to try to then sell that in France. That's something that a lot of people locally complain about the D&D uh, translations, because they're made in Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, and Spanish, Spanish is Spain, Spain from Spanish is not like the most common Spanish, to be honest, like. Right. So no. it has like a lot of local words and specific words that make a lot of sense if you live in Spain. If you live in any other part of a Spanish-speaking country, it doesn't make any sense or it's more like, yeah, I get this word, but it's not very archaic. So, sorry, um, Mo, go ahead. So what I'm hearing is that there is both not a large market, but also a margin issue. Um, because maybe people in Latin America might have um, kind of a less luxury spin opportunity than um, people in Spain. Is, is that what I'm hearing, Alistair? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like the median salary here, even if they have like a very semi-decent job, is around 600 USD per month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when that's like the, a high income for people around here, like buying a $60 or a $40 RPG is not something that they can do like constantly or very I'm going to spend 10% of my monthly income on this book. Right, like, right, right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
is there yeah, a, that's why they like, prefer like like smaller books like Sanquest and stuff like that. Like yeah, anything between the twenty yeah twenty to thirty dollar range, people are actually seeking to buy it. And that's like the range of the books we are going to try to publish in Spanish to mm-hmm. promote and sell. Uh, yeah, so so then to move forward to the next question, if we're all good to move forward to that. Because I was always going to say, yeah, I understand completely the layout issue because, you know, the number of words you use to describe things is different, right? As, okay. as somebody who speaks French, right? Yes, like what English will take three words to describe, French will take 10, <laughs> right? And so that just immediately changes your layout look because all of a sudden now it's on a different page. You're like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, no, I totally get that with the, the, the issue there. But let's talk about APs. Let's talk about... Um, you know, uh, podcasters, other advertising avenues, like how, how you know, um, uh, how does that, how are you looking at that? What does that look like for you? Have you tried? Have you seen anything? Uh, Mo, I'm going to start with you and then. Uh, I, I have been on maybe seven podcasts uh, mm-hmm. with Shibuya Nights and, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a nice little hustle because uh Apparently, there's two more podcasts every day. <laughs> and as people develop audiences, you have this content that, um, you know, typically folks go back and they dive into the archives and, you know, they stumble across you. And, you know, it's a good look. They're definitely, uh, there's definitely a point, you know, with only a, a handful of games under my belt. Uh, some people don't necessarily see me as a legitimate designer and so um you know i have i have waited behind bigger designers to get on certain podcasts um but you know it's 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 an effective way of getting outreach and you know you can capture this information and put it on your site so when people come to look at your game you know they can then download re-download the podcasts and um and and find out information about the game uh i strongly recommend you get a uh get the file of the podcast because two of the podcasts i've been on have pod faded you know and what you don't want is to go out and do all this ground game only to have the media disappear you know because legitimately somebody else doesn't want to pay to keep it up Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's a good. Honestly, that's the thing I didn't even think about. So that's a. That's a thing yeah. that's a really good point. Alistair, what about you? <clears throat> See, so I trying to reach out to reviewers and stuff like that. We did a lead for uh, White Life, but it mostly we are working on that. We're, it's still a work in progress for us. We're mainly trying to use Twitter, and we have sent the copies where they, they never answer, and we try to reach again and stuff like that. So yeah, I. I am very bad on that at that section of the of the making games area. Mm-hmm. Well, again, like for me, I've always been talking about not just you know here's a product, but here is me. Here is me talking about the product, right? Um, so um, I know that there's a couple of um, <coughs> places. You know, I mean, again, like anything I else. I need to go out quickly. I'll be right back. No problem. Thanks, Alistair Holland. 
Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I'm sure it's all switched up and, and Andy's now what's going on and we may be in different spots. That's fine. I'm still Jonathan. That's still Mo. <laughs> I hope I pointed in the right direction. That's where Mo is on my screen. Um, but yeah, I know that for me that um, there are a lot of really good places. Um, uh, I can't help. I know he's super busy and has up to his eyeballs and has closed his submission thing. Uh, but I can't recommend Jeff Stormer's Party of One as an actual play podcast. It's fantastic. Uh, he's fantastic. He's a wonderful, lovely host and is very excited about games. So um, I know uh, that that he's he's been fantastic for, for a lot of people. Um, I know that... Um, just I've reached out to a couple different podcasts, and again, I, you know, I've been out of this twenty years, and I'm still not a name for either that or something pops up. So, I think the key thing there is to keep trying, and mm-hmm. and and keep you know reaching out to people uh, to see what's going on there, because it, like you said, there's a new podcast every day. Um, <clears throat> you know, or what's the other joke? What what's what's the collective noun for a group of dudes? A podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, but yeah. So, I, and I know, <clears throat> which is Alistair brought it up too, is that um, I know board game TikTok is becoming a big thing. So, like, mm-hmm. that's an avenue I haven't even looked into mainly because uh, the app was like, I want all access to everything, and it's like, why? <laughs> but okay, um, <clears throat> but yeah. But I know that that's a big thing, and I know that that's a big area. Uh, and being internet old, I'm like, another one, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. No, I, I definitely have this feeling. And you know, I, my 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 wife and a lot of my uh, a lot of my younger friends, they're constantly insistent. Like, you can't just do, you can't just recopy content to each platform. Each platform has its own kind of window size for your graphics. Each yep. con- platform has its own like a uh, feel, and you know, it's it's kind of like going out there and making friends or as my dating friends, you know, it's, it's, it's like dating, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm just, yeah, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're at about five minutes left to the panel. So I just, did you have, uh, you know, I, I think the last thing is, is, <clears throat> you know, I mean, cause the, the marketing and the distribution end up coming to the sales point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I feel like it's all kind of. Any, I don't really have a question about sales because for me, that's the end point. That's already it's in the store's hands. We're at a convention. I've already done the sale. Like like someone has it, and hopefully someone is enjoying the game. Uh, right. Because having seen both your games, I think they're both wonderful and and and, and awesome games. Um, what, anything else along this process? Do you think that we haven't touched that you may want to talk about? Any other kind of thoughts have come up? Any last kind of ideas? If not, we can ask Eric if there's any questions in the. Uh, in the queue. Early birds are clearly quiet. No questions for you. You can continue talking as you are. All right. Perfect. Okay. Um, so for, for me, I think it's just, I, I released my game last November in the middle of COVID. And, you know, I'm just, I have to constantly keep reminding myself, like, this is going to be a long tail game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's gonna it's gonna do what it does when it does it, um, and assume that when you know conventions across the country open up, 
you know, I'll have an opportunity to go and register and play. I don't know if you, we talked about that. Um, I, I think uh, SEO is still a thing when people look, look up your stuff and a lot of game conventions leave their old schedules up. So if you uh, pre-reg your game as an official game of a convention, um, like that comes up and the fa like essentially nobody wants to play a game that nobody's playing. So, I mean, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to build buzz for a game that is not D&D, &D, you know, and, you know, these days, not uh, Blades in the Dark, which has a TV show. <laughs> so it's awesome to see. <clears throat> but actually, let's let maybe let that's the one thing we didn't talk about that. Let's talk about game design and publishing in 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 the time of COVID. So that's North America deal with the Alistair. How's like for you in Mexico dealing with with COVID and and all this kind of stuff? Well, I still have horrible. Like the main thing that we are suffering is like, I mean, the, the team has always been like full uh, work from home, mm -hmm. but like we are really strong with the playtest. Because we used to do a lot of public playtesting like in local stores and stuff like that, or in the faculty. And uh, yeah, now we don't have public playtests, and that's it's really slowing things up for a lot of our projects. Because we actually need to like the blind playtest, test the rules, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And also because we are really dependent on conventions to get like more of our freelance work. And now without conventions, that's getting like very harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it mainly it makes things harder on the developing area, more for playtests and for getting new small freelance jobs. Yeah, yeah, and I, and that's I, um, kind of, go ahead, Mo. You, I, early, I was... Before the summer, uh, I had a huge captive audience for playtests online. Um, I was able to set up Eventbrite, and even people who weren't part of my network were finding my playtests, signing up just to do something. You know, but as things got warmer and as the vaccine rolled out, you know, my play tests went from like, you know, three people on, on the wait list to like, you know, only one person showed up, you know, in, in June, you know, people started going outside. So um, I, I think w some of us, including myself, missed a a huge opportunity to like organize online games um, last year. I mean, but that's a job. That's a full-time job, right? Like, it's, it's a large companies have an actual play yeah. coordinator. That's their whole yeah. job, yeah. right? It's hard. Um, and the other thing too is that again, like, it depends because when we talk about you talk about things opening up. I mean, in Ontario, where I am, like, things aren't still open up. We're slowly getting to that right. point, I, which right. I think is ridiculous because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, right? But, uh, you know, like we've just let bars and gyms go to full capacity if they have a vaccine mandate. If they can sh say you don't have two vaccines, get out. That's the only time they're letting them do that. But that's like conventions are opening again, but it still feels like it's still, you know, we're still in that kind of space. But again, that's North America. We've had the bulk of the vaccine. I mean, in North America, that's Canada and the U.S. We're two countries that have nom 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 to all the vaccines right right so i mean that looks like the press alistair what does that look like for you so in our case uh, i got a little lost sorry what was the question no just so so how is that like 
physical space opening up, or is it is it opening up where you are? Ah, yeah, it's technically we have been open for around two, two or three months, but that's because the government doesn't really care about us. <laughs> We're yeah. opening. Up. There's, there's, pay no attention to what's actually happening. God, everyone just continue on as you were. Yeah, that that's basically my yeah. I'm wondering the last few months. Anyway, so basically, with some of the stores, they have like very strict like mass things, taking your temperature and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's mostly you have to take care of yourself around here. Mm-hmm. It's not like that being enforced that hard for a lot of people. Yeah, that yeah. has been complicated, and we try to like keep it like as safe as possible. Yeah, well, uh-huh. issue, like we have like most of the online tools that we could use to play some of the games. Um, all of them are in English. That complicates a little for the play for the local playtests. And in the case of the US, they want to have like all the rules and all the TDBs for Roll Twenty, PT tabletop stuff like that in English, and we don't have all that resources yet. Hmm. Right, and and it gets the thing. anyway. So I think we're at time. So uh, with that, uh, Alistair, do you want to give us where we can find your stuff, and then Mo, we're going to do that, and I'll close this up. Yeah, you can actually find us uh, by Axo Stories. I put the link in the final hangout. Just AXO Space Stories. We are like that on drive through. We have most of our games coming out next year. I Stay from the Gods. This is a solo journal RPG. I use a thousand year old vampire. And Lainary Facts, which is a supplement for 5e of epic level 5 similar to show of the Colossus. More like a video game feel to it. One of my favorite games, so I'm looking forward to that one. Mo, how about you? You could find me at uh, ashyfeet.com. Uh, I'm ashyfeet1 on Twitter. And, um, you know. Uh, you on ashyfeet.com, you'll find the Discord for Holdfast Station, which is the game we have coming out, and we're um, it's gonna be you know it's a game. Uh, we also have uh, Zero Samurai, where you you've heard the the movie Seven Samurai. This is the village. You play the village if the samurai don't show up against the bandits. Um, the uh, Spaceport Cantina, um, and a couple other games that we're developing on that and uh shibuya nights is still available <laughs> awesome and thank you i'm jonathan lavalley you can find me at firestorm inc and pretty much everything uh on twitter on drive through on itch um you know and firestorm inkcom uh that pun has gotten me into more trouble than i'd care to think um <laughs> so but uh, again thank you so much for attending this panel hopefully you've learned something hopefully you've got some information out of it and uh you know we'll enjoy the rest of metatopia Hey, thanks. Thank you.